This is the Celebration Rock Podcast presented by 93XFM here in Minneapolis and uprocks.com. I'm your host, Stephen Hyden. My guest today is one of my favorite musicians of all time, Mr. Dean Ween. Of course, he's one of the founders of Ween, a band that's been putting out albums since 1990, though they haven't put out any new albums in a while. They're on the road, though. They're back together, which is awesome. Dean is also the leader of the Dean Ween Group who did just put out a new record called Rock 2. It's a really good record, as is the other Dean Ween Group record, the Diener album. That came out, I guess, a couple years ago. Now, my conversation with Dean is interesting. Uh, This was my second time talking to him, and I think he's generally a friendly, funny, and gregarious person. But I think you'll notice that he's also a little wary about delving too deep into his relationship with Gene Ween, his longtime partner in his band. If you're a fan, you know that Ween split up in 2011, and at the time, Gene was vocal about the breakup being permanent. He was also very vocal about his substance abuse problems. I actually did an interview with Gene around the time of his first solo record, Marvelous Clouds, when that came out, and he was still in rehab at the time. And I remember him being a pretty uh, fragile soul at that time, and wary and... uh, confused about whether being in Ween would be a threat to his sobriety. But he did get back together with Dean. In 2016, Ween had a reunion, and they've stayed together as a touring unit ever since. I saw the band in 2016, and I thought they sounded awesome. And Dean, in this interview, says that he thinks the band sounds better than ever. But again, from talking with Dean, you get the sense that the partnership might be in a somewhat fragile state. I suspect that if Gene were down with the proposition, that Dean would be making Ween albums right now, not Dean Ween group records. But he didn't say too much about that in this conversation. As a matter of fact, whenever I would bring up Ween, the conversation would kind of take an awkward turn, which I think you'll notice in this podcast. Uh, So while Dean has a lot to say, I think sometimes his silences or his very short answers uh, speak louder than words. But again, it was great to talk to Dean. I've admired him for a long time. I'm a huge Ween fan. And, you know, this is a band that I am always sort of standing for uh, with other people. Because I feel like, you know, people know who Ween is, but they don't necessarily understand the band or they don't know where to get started. So after this interview with Dean, I did a little post-game interview with a music critic named Stephen Thomas Erlewine. Now, you might know his name because he's written like a million record reviews uh, as uh, one of the main writers for the All Music Guide, uh, one of the great music websites of all time. I called up uh, Tom because I knew that he was a big Ween fan. So I thought he would be a fun guy to talk to about, just to kind of give a brief overview of the band's career and to talk about our favorite Ween records. And of course he was. He had a lot of great things to say. So we had this interview with Dean where he talks about the band's career and, and what he's up to now. And then we have a little, like, I guess, primer on the band with Stephen Thomas Erlewine afterward. So all things Ween will be covered in this episode. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So before we get to Tom, let's get to Dean Ween. Here's me and Dean Ween talking about all things Ween. You know, we're talking here on a Friday. It's, it's you know, late afternoon, the end of a work week. And I'm curious, like, you know, because you're not on tour right now. I know you're going to be going out here pretty soon. Like, what's an average, like, week for you? Like, do you are you pretty regimented in terms of, like, I, I'm going to work on music from this hour to this hour in a day? Or, like, what, what's, what's, what's the schedule like? <laughs> no, it's total, it's total chaos, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, like, like, completely. I, I'm, I, I miss, like... I missed everything, like when The Sopranos came out. Like, I missed all that, like the beginning of the great cable era of all time. So, like now, like how many years later this has been, I binge watch TV, probably like the rest of the world. 
it's really funny because I have a 17 year old son, and all he does is spend, you know, just on the computer the whole time. All his friends, everybody, you know, I think every kid in the world that age does that, and I'm like worse than he is. <laughs> I like, I got like. 15 shows going at once, you know, watching nine seasons. <laughs> so, like, what are, you, what are you watching? What am I watching right now? Jesus Christ, I'm watching Black Mirror on Netflix, which is really good. I'm watching uh, Billions, which is good. Yeah. Um, I finally just got caught up with the classics. I've seen all of Breaking Bad. The Wire, I've watched it about a thousand times. Same with Breaking Bad. Uh, Boardwalk Empire, I never saw. So that was like four months ago I finished that. I mean, everything. Power. Watching this thing called Top Boy. Uh, Christ, everything. Uh, bizarre. I mean, anything that's on, I'm like, I'm just suddenly just I'm entering this new... Probably very unhealthy face. <laughs> Instead of sitting in front of the, 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 the internet, you know, for like 20 hours a day, now I'm sitting in front of the, Cause I know, the like, TV broadcast over the internet 20, 22 hours a day. Because like, <laughs> I know this record that's coming out, like, that these songs were recorded, you know, around the same time as the songs on your, on your first solo record, so that was like 2016. Um, I mean, which seemed like that was like a really busy time for you recording music. I mean, do you tend to go in bursts well, like that? It's, it, it, it's funny. I, I have like diarrhea of the mouth. I, I, I type our, I type our press releases, but then I always have to answer for like my lies or misinformation <laughs> later on, <laughs> like straighten out <laughs> what I said. But no, we, 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 uh, I don't sit in front of the computer 21 hours a day, but <laughs> only about 11. But the other 10 are here. But, but uh, I basically record, rehearse, jam, or gig almost every day and every night, all day and all night. So it was funny when I was doing the interviews for the, the first record, I was saying, I got a second one that's done. You know, I had demoed it, and it just needed to be recorded and mixed. And, uh, you know, so now this one's not even out, and I'm at the same spot with the third one already. So it's, uh, that's all good stuff. That, that's good shit. That's good news, you know. And, I mean, um, I mean, do you have, like, a method for songwriting? I mean, are you someone who's, because I know there's some people that they write, you know, it's like, I'm going to write a song today, or I'm going to do something today. Well, are you, like, yeah. that disciplined? I was, I was talking to my, what was I talking to? about this the other day. Probably I think I was talking to my son playing him something and and he's really into music. He's seventeen. He's as into music at seventeen as I was when I was seventeen. Like but he does all the time now. Um and there's I do have a, a method and a system for songwriting and it's and it's never the same twice, but there is a method to it. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to sit and shout it out again, but I'm working with Kurt Vile right now. He's going to walk in the door like for any minute, I think. But it, it's everybody, as you work with someone that does, that does it a lot, they have their thing too. And so it's really interesting to see how yours and theirs differ. But I, I mean, even even with Ween, Ween Group, it's exactly the same. I might have a title of a song. That's my favorite way to work. I come up with the title of a song, like um, a concept. And working from the title backwards, I'll know what to do with the chords and the lyrics and the music and the vibe, the tempo, the dynamic of it. And then sometimes I'll have I'll have a, 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 a verse or a chorus written out, and it, it could be like seven years later, and I'll be doing something, and all of a sudden I, can, I I have really good recall, like total recall. I can just remember a, anything that I did like through my whole life. Like I can call it up, 
you know, so, uh, so there's really no way. Sometimes I can write a whole song in like three minutes. Like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll, be, I, I do it a lot when I'm driving. I'll, I'll write the words in my head for the chorus so I can visualize the chords. I know it sounds fucking stupid, but, you know, and then just not, and knock it out. And then other times I just come here and I have nothing at all. And I plug all the equipment in and I'll just put a drum beat, you know, on the, on the speakers. And I'll just pick up a bass or a guitar and start playing along with it. So I find a good riff and then I'll build around that. And maybe that will inspire a title. You know, so there's all these, there's all these, there's all these ways that make up one system, you know. Um, it, uh, trying to think of a good example. Do you know Wings music at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, so do you know the song Buckingham Green on the Mollusk? Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite yeah, Wings songs. Yeah, yeah, Buckingham Green was written about the time we did the second record, the uh, pod, but it didn't come out until The Mollusk, which was the sixth or seventh record. And and it wasn't, like, the best parts of it were written, but it wasn't really a song. It wasn't good enough for a record at that point. And then all, and then all these, the song is in A, A minor, A, and all these like licks that I had written over the years that had like one cool thing about them and you know, just one cool thing, like all of a sudden I just put them all together, you know, and the whole thing was like, and suddenly realized we both realized like, it was like, holy shit, you know, we just finished this fucking song. Like, you know, finally it's ready, you know, and it's, it's probably my favorite wing song. It's one of them for sure. It's really orchestrated and whatever, but it took that long, you know. I mean, was and, it... and that's not typical of any other Ween song. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, but that's how it goes. I mean, I, I have, I have, I'm, a, I'm like, I'm like a scrap of paper guy. Like, I, I have tons of scraps of paper with like just a few things written on them. I'll be driving down the road and I'll grab a pen and write something on the back of a a telephone bill or something, you know, a, a lyric or a line or two lines or a title or something, you know, and it'll, it'll show up somewhere. It might show up that night or it might show up in 20 years, you know? So yes, we have, <laughs> yes, I have a system, but it's, it's, you know, yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's, cause it's, 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 it's an amalgamation of, you know, of, of everything. Yeah. I mean, was it strange at all to, uh, you know, right by yourself after having a partner for so long. I mean, I mean you still have that partner, but like, yeah, you... yeah, it is. It is kind of a, uh, it's very tough actually. Um, I mean, it's, it's not impossible, but it's, uh, I, I like I like collaborating. I, I always have, um, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's really neat. Cause it, like I said, everybody has their own, everybody has their own system. You know, everybody has their own, their own their their own way of doing things and and it takes away exactly half the work <laughs> you know and especially especially me like uh, I'm 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 a total home recording DIY guy and even though I you can't call my studio home recording it's it's nice you know it's as nice as any legit studio it is a legit studio but it's still home recording. I'm coming here. There's no engineer. There's no, you know, house band. It's not like Motown or something, you know. So I have to do everything myself from engineer, writing the song, playing it completely from drums, bass, guitar, sing it, mix it, edit it, do all that, you know. It's, you know, that's, that's a lot tougher. Um, but, uh, I do have other people, you know, I work with, and there's people's opinions that I trust. Um, you know, yeah, it's it, it, it's different, but I'm it's it's uh, I mean, it's to my ears, it sounds like uh, I don't know, it's, it's, to my ears, it sounds like one of the guys from Wings, 
<laughs> well, I was going to say that, that the new <laughs> record... exactly what it is, right? <laughs> I mean, I think especially, like, the, the, this new record, I think this was true of the first solo record, too, but, like, it it has the same sort of grab bag of styles on this record. Like, you've got country music, you've got sort of soulful jazz music, you've got hard rock stuff. I mean, it has that same sort of breadth of different genres that Ween Records have uh, on, on this record as well. Well, cool. You know, it... it but... I don't see why I wouldn't, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, I'm me. I was there for all that shit. I played, I played that <laughs> half of it. I wrote half of it, you know. I so, mean, I mean, because I know, like, but, some, uh, I know, like, some people, like, when they, you know, they're in a band and then they make their own record, they sometimes psych themselves out almost, like, I can't sound too much like this other band, you know, on my own. Like, did you ever have any of those issues for yourself? No. Fuck no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Not at all. That that's one thing. That's one thing that uh I I I am not a uh, I'm not afraid I'm not afraid at all of uh of uh stealing from myself. <laughs> I think that's the best you know, that's the best thing you can have going for you, you know. You're totally you have free license to rip off yourself. <laughs> Is there something but, but no, we, we were never even Aaron and I were never insecure like that either. It's just like you know other people make those comparisons. It's like uh sounds like something you did before or whatever. But uh but um I I forgot what your question was actually. Well, I mean, just kind of going back, I mean, just that idea of like how I think, again, like people that are in a band for a long time, when they make their own records, there's this whole thing about identity, like what's my solo identity, oh. you know, and it sounds like you didn't really have any of those hangups. No, no. And well, there's like, there's a whole variety of reasons for that, dude. I mean, I mean, first of all, it's, it's, it, I don't know how it's ever going to be resolved, but. The, the the Ween songs that the, that are out there. I mean, I don't know how many songs are released on our records. Uh, if we put them all together, you know, and then and then there's all this shit on the internet and all that. That's not even like a drop in the bucket of what the amount of unreleased Ween material that no one's ever heard. You know, we never ever 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 stopped recording. You know, every day, all the time. I mean, there's so much shit. I've never even heard playbacks, you know, of, of, of a large chunk of it. And, you know, so, you know, and I, I did tons of work by myself. You know, and it wasn't always just Aaron and I, like, sitting there. You know, we did the same, same exact thing, you know. So transitioning into just it being me is really not a transition at all, you know. Um I'm just, in, you know, I, I, I would say the only main difference is that I think more in terms of live, performing the shit live now, you know. Yeah. Like I, I when, when we when we started when we started Ween, our concept was like the residents. That was the concept. Nobody was going to know who we were. No one was going to know. See pictures of our faces. No one was going to know if it was two dudes or ten dudes or or anything. But, you know, we're 18, so that didn't really work for the record label. Like, we put us on tour, <laughs> like, the week the record came out. So that was the end of that concept. That's, you know, so, so uh, you know, now, so so we, I guess, I guess we kind of always kept this attitude that, the, or I did actually, I don't know if I can speak for Aaron, but I, that Ween was a studio band. I mean, I always thought Ween was a studio for, for a long, long time at least. You know, um, we were not worried about reproducing what was on the records on stage, you know. Um, but when we started doing it, it was awesome. It was a whole different thing. Have you seen Ween live? Oh, yeah. Many times. It's yeah, one yeah. of my favorite I mean, live bands. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a different thing. You know what I mean? Especially the earlier shit, you know? Right. Um, this is, is more geared towards uh, bass drums and guitars. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, well, and there's a lot more. Yeah, it's very guitar heavy. Both of these records. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting too to me because obviously it seems like live with the Ween Group, it's a you know pretty set group of musicians. But like in the studio, you know, there's constantly shifting people, and it sounds like you basically will just you know if you have a song ready to go, you'll just call up a drummer and a bass player and kind of take off from there. I mean, isn't that how it works for these records? Yeah, but these, but these dudes though, there's it's it, it's it's funny. I, I mean. You kind of have to be from around here. To, it sounds like impossible, but we live in this little, uh, you know, we live in the town we grew up in, New Hope, Pennsylvania. I, I live in the town I grew up in, New Hope, Pennsylvania, when started. And it's a little tourist town. It's sort of halfway between Philly and New York. But it's really high rent. It's right on the Delaware River. And it started as an artist colony way back in the day. You know, Charlie Parker was living here at you know, the time he died. Leon Bedbone lives here. You know, there's a lot of uh, James Mishner lived here pretty much his whole life. You know, it's it's a little anomaly in Pennsylvania, it's in the southeast corner of Pennsylvania on the river. And um, what was the question again? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, no, but well. Well, no, 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 ask me. I was going somewhere. <laughs> I think I forgot my question, too, in the middle of your, your story there. You're talking about uh, being in New Hope. I mean, I think I was just wondering... Well, I don't know what I was talking about. What was the question, though? Um, well, it was, it was just about... Uh, oh, oh, so, I know, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I've been doing interviews for a little while here today. <laughs> yeah, but, but you'd be completely fucking shocked at the amount of talent that there is in our area. Trenton, you know, like Trenton, New Jersey is is fucking, you know, I don't know, ten miles away or something. So we live in the, you know, there's there's Bucks County, Mercer County, Hunterdon County, you know, Princeton. They're like we have this, we have this fertile batch of musicians. You know, Andrew Weiss, Tim Kane, I, I could just go on forever. You know, all the guys, all the guys in Ween, you know, and, and all the guys in my band. Kid Funkadelic, you know, <laughs> um, you know, there's there's a ton of us. So, so the 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 Dean Ween group to me, with all these different guys, is nothing new at all. Now, I've been playing with these guys forever and ever and ever and ever. You know what I mean? It's not. It doesn't feel like a new. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't have. To, there's no like hazing going on on my part or trust building, you know, with these guys, you know, there's a badass bunch of, of musicians around here, you know, amazing people. So, so, uh, so again, it's a situation so it's really where you, not that much of a leap. So yeah, and, and you can just call people up. It sounds like if when exactly. you're ready to record and, and I mean, I'm wondering like, I mean, that seems like in a way you were talking about how Ween was originally a studio band that maybe in a way that's some, that's a way to make the studio part, different from the live part, that you can work with different musicians on the record and maybe explore different things, and then, like, the live thing's a different thing. Um, just get, hit me with that one more time. I followed <laughs> 99% of that. <laughs> that, like, that, you know, that working with different musicians in the studio is so, sounds like something that you're sort of interested in doing. Like, maybe that's a way to kind of make the records different from playing live. Uh, Oh well, no. I mean, the, with Ween, that that was a with Ween, that was a thing. Like the whole studio, we used the studio as an instrument, you know, up until like I don't know, like like chocolate and cheese or something. You know what I mean? And then it started sounding like a, like a traditional band, you know, more so. But uh, there's there, there's a number of reasons for that. One is that. In 2018, nobody buys records. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, except me, you know, and, and probably you and some friends of ours. You, you know what I mean? People like listen to their attention spans are short. They listen to them on YouTube or whatever. I'm, I will never ever be about that. I like making albums, whole full length albums. You know, um, I put a lot of thought into the sequence. I imagine the cover art being on a on a cardboard twelve inch sleeve, you know. You know, I imagine 
the sequence is the last song on side one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so ma- making records, uh, making records like this in, in, they're like, they're like, people treat them so cheaply, like a, like, uh, like a whore, you know, it sucks. <laughs> it's like, I, the, my first big taste of it was reading La Cucaracha. Like, that broke my fucking heart. And we, we spent so much time on that record, and it was like six months away from coming out, and it was online. And that was like my first, ta- you know, like taste of that. I, I felt like, I felt raped. I felt like violated, you know, I was like, oh my God. All the time we spent, we did that record, the tape, you know, analog, like, like as high fidelity as possible. And there it is, like, all over YouTube, the low-res MP3, you know, song titles misspelled, you know, it was like, uh, you know, and, and it's only gotten worse since then now, you know, and so rather than, rather than, I thought I would be at the point where, like I said, we would be a studio band right now and not be touring. Well, of course, just it's a wannabe Beatles fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you know, we can't perform our music anymore. It's too complex, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, it's totally the opposite thing happened. You know, I mean, recently, I mean, like, you know, been this way for like 12 years now. Yeah. Just Napster's was the beginning of it. it was Napster, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's like, you don't even have to, get, you don't even have to download anything. You to go to YouTube and listen to every record ever made. But, uh, you know, I've come to embrace it. It's like, you know, like going out on tour and playing, you know, as a guitarist. So, How many shows you got? So are you going to get that down on the album? You know? Yeah. Like, how many shows do you think you'll be doing in 2018? Uh, funny. People freak out so much online because they've announced, like, I don't know, like, whatever, a handful of shows in Australia and, like, a few on the weekend in America. Like, a ton. This hasn't been announced yet. And, like, will that be all Dean Wien? I want to do, you know, everything. The Midwest, the Northwest, Southeast. You know, Southwest, you know, Canada, Europe, Australia. See, I, know. see, I read this story where you were talking about Europe and how you were sort of like averse to touring Europe because Ween had bad experiences oh, yeah. there. Yes, that's totally true. Like, because like Ween went there like in 1990 or something, and like you haven't been back. No, shit, no. We've been back for every record. But like, what's wrong with Europe? Uh. You really want me to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's What's up wrong to you. With Europe? Yeah, like, why, 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 uh, you know, why do you feel kind of uh, wary of going there? Uh, it says we have this. Ween is like a really brown band. We have enough trouble just getting a rehearsal together for Ween to go to Europe. It's like deal with like a different currency. Well, I guess now that's not such an issue. Every night. I like the freedom. First of all, I, I, I think of what I do, whether it's with Ween or whether it's me, as as an American thing, and that's not like in an offensive way. But I think Bugs Bunny is an American thing; it couldn't exist anywhere else. You know, uh, the Almond Brothers couldn't exist. And I'm not comparing myself next to these people, mind you. Certain things are uniquely American. And even if Ween does well over there, I think that I'm just as happy playing for Americans over here that understand when we do El Camino, what the fuck we're singing about. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you just find like people can get confused over there by you? Like by your music? Not at all. Not, not, not at all. They just take it on a different level, but... Oh, it's far away, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I mean, America's huge. America's huge, man. We've been on tour since 1990, and there's still a million places to go. You know? So we, we finally just played our 50th state. It had been 49 forever and ever and ever and ever, and we finally just played South Dakota. Oh, how was, how, we're, we're in South Dakota. I have no idea. <laughs> no, we did it. I can't remember. <laughs> Um, and will will all those dates be with Dean Wing Group, or is Wing going to be back on the road? 
What's that? Is is Ween going to be back on the road too, or are you just oh, going to yeah, be? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Two totally separate things. Yeah, yeah. DME Group is touring uh, a lot this year, and Dean, and Ween is touring a lot this year. And like, can I ask, like, how's it going with you and Aaron? Like, do you think you would ever make a record together again? Oh, I have not answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't answered that for the last two records promoting it. Uh, you know. I don't know. I'd, I'd love to. Yeah. But you guys are good otherwise? Yeah. Everything's good? Like, because uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I saw you guys in 2016, and it was, it was a great show. And it seems like you guys have been playing great these last couple of years. I, I, I mean, I can also say there's, like, there's this, like, nostalgia thing where you think that, like, you know, something happened in 1992 that you'll never be able to replicate again, you know, because you'll never be 22 again or whatever. I think the Ween is probably the best it's ever been right now live. I mean, honest to God, I, I, I really firmly believe that. We're playing, like, every fucking single song, I think. And, and the kitchen sink, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, does that just come from being better musicians? Um, yeah, maybe the hiatus helped that, too, and, and better musicians, and just, uh, uh, fuck, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I make a point of not analyzing that kind of shit, because yeah. once you start doing that, you're doomed. <laughs> you make <laughs> right. a shitty decision next time, because you'll be having it under a microscope. Well, let's talk about this this latest record because I, I I do love this record a lot. Like, what would you say is the brownest song on the new record? The brownest song? Yeah. Well, I don't know how deep your understanding of brown goes. I, I got I got to look at the title. I got to look at what songs are on the record. Hold <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, I mean, what the brownest song is, and what my favorite song is, and what my proudest song is, are all things. I, I like, uh, shit, I don't know. Christ. Man, I have no idea. Um, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm proud of all in different ways, you know. There, there, there's, I, I, guess, I guess all I ever tried to do ever in my life was make records that I would want to listen to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or that like-minded people would get off on, you know? Having no confidence at all that that would ever happen. <laughs> but it's happened, luckily. Right. So, I mean, um, you know, I just hope that people, my tastes are, like, you know, blend with their tastes. So what I think is good, you know, you know, uh, they think it's good. Yeah. You know, I... I I mean, music, I guess to understand, my attitude about music is that, is like food in a way, <laughs> where if, if it tastes good, it is good. It's like at the, at the right time, a fucking quarter pound of cheese can be the greatest thing in the world. It really can. Right. Now, uh, would I want to eat it like more than once a year? No. Fuck no. But, <laughs> you know, and I think, I think that, you know, a lot of people get hung up when it comes to music. It's like, if there's a new fucking, if there's a new Katy Perry single and I think that it's great, I'm going to tell you that I think it's great, you know? Um, you know, I'm not going to make a blanket statement that I love jazz. You know, I love some jazz. A lot of jazz is just too much for me. My brain doesn't, you know, I'm not feeling it, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I think that's what I'm trying to get across on my record. It feels good. It is good, you know. So when I look down the the tracks on the record, I don't really see one that's like, you know, represents. I mean, of course, I've songs that like I like a little more than others but for different reasons, you know. Yeah. I'm pr if I've done something that I've never done before, you know, um, completely something new, you know, I take a lot of pride in that. And then at the same time, I can write something so cheap like "Finger Bang" in the second song on the record. <laughs> That I'm proud of myself that I've still got it in me to suck that bad. The rest is a piece of shit so <laughs> and have it be perfect for the record, you know? Right. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, and, I, and I know you got to go. I just want to uh, ask bro. quick. I know you got. You said Kurt Biles coming there. You guys are working together yeah. on something. Yeah, yeah, we have been. And like, uh, is that top secret? Uh, no, I mean, not, not really. I mean, you post pictures of it. I am. Uh, no, I mean, we live like right by each other. We we met like back in the last year and hit it off. I know he's a big Ween fan. I know we like we love all the same music. And I had every, we both had every confidence that when we got together, it was just going to work. And it did. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're, so now we're all stoked for the next time, every time we get together. So it's very cool. I can't wait for people to hear it, actually. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really stoked. I'm, I'm listening to the shit like a thousand times a day. Yeah. I mean, by, by choice. <laughs> all right. I know you got to go. So thanks so much, yeah. Dean, for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm later, brother. I'll talk to you later. All right, take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was me and Dean Ween getting into it, talking about the band, talking about Dean Ween Group, talking about the records he's been making lately, as well as his old band, Ween. They're still together, which is great. Hopefully they'll make a record someday. Who knows? I hope for my sake they make a record. I hope for the sake of all fans they make a record. But if they don't and they just keep touring... I can be grateful with that because I'm glad that I can still go out and see Ween live. I'm also intrigued by this Kurt Vile thing that he mentioned in passing. I want to get Kurt Vile on the podcast at some point to talk about that. I'm, I'm I, I, Like a Kurt Vile-Dean Ween collaboration, that sounds like something that is extremely up my alley. Uh, so hopefully we'll hear more about that soon. Now before we continue, we have a sponsor for this week's episode, and I think... Derek is going to tell you about them. Thanks, Steve. And this is actually a perfect sponsor uh, for this podcast. It's our new friends at Blind Tiger Record Club. Now, presumably because you're listening to the show, uh, you enjoy rock music and probably all of the craft of rock music as well. So I'm guessing there's a good chance you might be into vinyl. And Blind Tiger Record Club is a vinyl record subscription box serviced delivered to your door each month. Now, you can pick from styles. There's rock, of course, but also alternative singer-songwriter, jazz, soul, and blues. Uh, They'll mail your record selection out at the end of each month. All the vinyl is new, 12-inch records, summer double albums, heavyweight, hard-to-find imports. And the best part of the service is their selections announced prior to shipping, so you have the option to choose which album you want each month. Subscriptions start at just $25.99, and of course, we've got a special offer for you, Celebration Rock listeners. Use the code CELEBRATION at checkout to receive 50% off your first subscription box. Uh, There's also the BTRC Record Store, loaded weekly with great new titles and reissues, and subscribers get member pricing and free shipping on items added to their monthly box. So don't forget, use the code CELEBRATION at checkout, get 50% off your first subscription box from Blind Tiger Record Club. Club. Your vinyl, your choice. Okay, now back to the pod. Okay, so now it's time for the post-game interview from the Dean Ween talk. And I, I wanted to call up uh, Stephen Thomas Erlewine from All Music Guide to talk about the band's career a little bit, to talk about our favorite Ween records. So this is sort of like the Springsteen series we just did, ex- except instead of eight episodes, we're doing 30 minutes <laughs> covering all the band's albums. But I think it was a pretty fun talk. Uh with Tom. So let's get into it. Here's me and Stephen Thomas Erlewine talking ween. Okay, so I'm here on with Tom. And, you know, I, I want to talk to you because I know you're a big ween fan. And uh, yeah, I just talked to Dean. So I thought this yeah. would be a cool kind of post-game interview uh, for that. Because yeah, a lot of people, I think people are aware of ween, but they don't totally know the lay of the land. It can be sort of a weird band to approach because... I think people think of them as like a funny band, but once you get into the records, you realize that they're not actually that funny. It's not supposed to be a comedic thing necessarily. Um, give me the elevator pitch for Ween. I I agree with the, uh, that assessment too. I think that because you know, way back uh, twenty years ago, they first came out to see the scene. Basically, through Push the Little Daisies, which I think got a huge boost by its appearance in Beavis and Butthead. And uh, so they sort of seem like a novelty band, but it's easy to 
forget like how Pure Guava, which is the album that um, Little Daisies is on, is the first uh, major label re- record from them. And it's sort of it's this outgrowth of uh, Gene and Dean doing these really bizarre tapes uh, at home on their fourth track, essentially. And they would just uh, dick around and balance like full-fledged songs with uh, lots of little pranks. And so because they have that sort of irreverence and they would also be pretty vulgar like throughout, that's one of the through lines in their career, uh, that they can be sort of seen as this uh, a hard band to take seriously. But uh, if you listen to the records, there's uh, they always had serious musical chops, like in terms of songwriting, especially at the beginning. And it just uh, continues to grow because then they also start to develop a full band behind them and they then take that out on stage and the concerts become a very different thing and then the the albums as well because the albums still sort of always wound up being mainly the work of the two of them and it's they're they're very varied and it sometimes seems like they're doing parodies of a certain styles, but I, I also sort of feel like that's just an outgrowth of their omnivorous tastes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this, you know, before our conversation, I, I sort of made like a quick chart of ween. As I see it, there's like three eras of ween. You have the early ween, early nineties, those first three records, God, ween, Satan, the pod, pure guava, which seems like its own thing. You have that sort of middle period which I guess would be chocolate and cheese, 12 golden grates, and the mollusk. And then you have the later period, I guess, white pepper. Beyond that, where you have Quebec, La Cucaracha. Of course, there's yeah. EP sprinkled in there. And for me, I would say that my favorite era, I like all Ween records to varying degrees. There isn't really one I don't like. But my favorite era would probably be that middle period where the chocolate, chocolate, chocolate and cheese and the mollusk are probably, I think, my two favorite records and mm-hmm. a lot of people love those records, but it seems to have sort of the best of the early sort of two man years early on. And yet you also see some of the band sound coming in at that time. Does that square with your feeling on the band? Like where do you it see actually, them? It actually does. I liked how you broke it down into basically three different acts because you can, there's also arcs within those acts. Uh, if you look at Godwin Satan through Pure Guava, the first one uh, deservedly was on Twin Tongue because it is sort of a punky record. Then The Pod, is, uh, which is on Kramer's Shimmy Disc, is a, is a really bizarre record. Uh, there's, uh, that's kind of the selling point, but it's also a little bit difficult to listen to all the way through it sometimes. And then uh, that same sort of aesthetic goes to Pure Guava. And like that's What's interesting to me is also to see how they take songs from that era and play them on stage and they seem fuller now, like uh, fuller actually probably since the early 2000s when they really became a touring juggernaut. But like that middle period, you can really feel everything click into shape because they really not only start to get better as songwriters, but they know how to execute everything. And then they also... Uh, take advantage of uh, Electra to be able to record uh, 12 Golden Country Greats, which is, is, you know, is a very weird record to put out in 96 after they just start uh, started to get some momentum with chocolate and cheese. But that's part of the, the greatness of that middle period is like that they were really just committing to a project and going all the way through it. And The Mollusk is probably my favorite too, because there's also... Um, you know, some of those are songs are a little bit old, but the, that nautical theme kind of works throughout the record, and there's a, also some real heart to it. In addition to being really off the charts weird in places, and uh, that last era, like I've always felt Quebec a difficult record to get through, because in some ways, because it feels like it's a, a divorce album. White Pepper is, is might be my favorite of those because. Uh, the songs are really good. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, like, so. Yeah, I was going to say White Pepper, uh, in my experience, you know, that record came out, I think it was 1999 that record came out. That seems yeah, in that to, era. Yeah, that seems to be like a good um, gateway album for people. Like when I've talked to people that 
know of Ween, but they've never listened to that. <clears throat> that would be that's often the record I recommend, even though it's not necessarily my favorite Ween record, just because it's the most sort of band like record. Uh, it, there's a lot of very catchy songs. Uh, it's it seems less weird than a lot of their other albums. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, they sound most like a conventional rock band uh, on that album. I like that. Yeah, there's not something that could possibly alienate somebody. Like you could on chocolate and cheese, you definitely have things like like to the at the right moment, the wrong song. Like spinal meningitis could easily like <laughs> throw somebody off that band for a very long time. Well, and but again. Well, and we should let's talk about that song for a moment because there's going to be people who maybe haven't heard that song before. Because I remember when I first started getting into Ween, and I heard that record, and you mentioned the song "Spinal Meningitis," uh, which I think is the second song on that record. So, it is. so you have the first song "Take Me Away," which is this you know sort of great sort of almost like arena rock song uh, with like a little bit of like uh, like Vegas Elvis in there, you know, mm-hmm. very sort yeah. of like fun rock song. And then you have uh, this song, Spinal, Spinal Meningitis, which is uh, basically sung from the perspective of a child, and it's sung in a child's voice. Like Gene, Gene Ween's voice is distorted, so it sounds like he's a kid right. singing, and he's saying, you know, basically, Mama, please don't let me die, you know, because this is a sick child, and uh, he's, he's addressing his mother. And uh, it, it's extremely disturbing. Like the first time yeah. you hear that song, and I just imagine people immediately th- turning the record off, and if it's a physical copy, throwing in the garbage. Maybe throwing their <laughs> maybe throwing their phone in the garbage if it's on Spotify. Um, but to me, like whenever people talk about Ween being a funny band or a joke band, Spinal Meningitis to me is sort of the great antidote to that because to me, the humor in their music is usually talking about stuff that's extremely dark. Like it's a very sort of like subversive type humor. It's not like a laugh out loud, jokey type of humor, uh, which is part of the sort of greatness of their songwriting, I think. Uh, Because that is a great song once you get past the sort of shocking aspects of it. Uh, Well, I also like... I also like the arc that it can distribute that first listen, and then you it's sort of like it's unsettling if you're not expecting it, and then you sort of understand where it's all coming from and things. The, that song and then the rest of the record comes into shape, and I agree with the idea that the, there's every so often they do do something that's uh, a really silly so, song, but. For the most part, I think that sense of humor is just sort of slight and subversive, and that goes all the way through through their music. Well, and that record also has the HIV song, which is just, yes. you know, yelling AIDS, you know, throughout yeah. the song, which, you know, in 1994 was, I think, would have been even more sort of, like, disturbing to people, uh, you know. It's- yeah, and that brings up a point because I, I saw them on the Chocolate and Cheese tour, and, which was not uh, very full. It was in a small club, not a small, medium-sized club in Detroit. And so, you know, it's played and it's not, you know, people aren't necessarily jumping up and down with it. But then I, I saw them a couple times in November and the audience now has a routine to HIV song and jumping up and down. And so it just shows how, how big that cult has grown and like, and, and how the song can be perceived differently now that the shock Valley wears off a little bit. Well, and you know, and you know, and I want to get into this with you because you mentioned the mollusk being your, your favorite ween record. My, my favorite ween record is chocolate and cheese. I think that's their masterpiece. And I am, mm-hmm really intrigued by the backstory of that record because you you mentioned Push a Little Daisies becomes an MTV hit off of Pure Guava, which is the record prior to Chocolate and Cheese. And that song, if you saw that song on MTV and you saw Ween, even if you liked that song, I think the assumption was that this band will be gone by next week. You know, like this band is not going to be around. It's like a one-hit wonder type group. So they follow that up with this you know, very lush follow-up record. I mean, you know, my assumption is that Electra kicked them a couple extra hundred grand because they had a hit on their previous Absolutely. record. So they're like, okay, just go hog wild. And they make, 
they make this record that is like just covers the full spectrum and I think really lays out sort of the full landscape of like what this band was going to do for the rest of their career, like what they were capable of. Like we're going to make soul songs, psychedelic rock songs, folky country songs, Beatlesque sounding songs, really offensive, dark, you know, uh, transgressive songs. Um, and it, just the way that it covers the mat. To me, like in the scope of Ween, it's a high point. And just in 90s rock, if you look at what else was going on in 94, uh, I mean, there's no other album like it, you know, I, at that time. I, and I agree with that assessment completely because it is the breakthrough, because it is where they start to know how to execute their ideas really well. Look at um, A Tear for Eddie, which is the, f- the first really big showcase for Dean's uh, guitar playing. We don't really have that in the first three, but this is like shows how lyrical he can be. And Electric did put some money on it because uh, Freedom of 76 had a Spike Jones video. Now it didn't take off. But, yeah. uh, but you know, they were trying, they, they were trying to do it. And the thing is a lot of those songs could be sort of, radio hits in some fantasy universe because you have something like Jopper Road feels like a, a yacht rock song. <laughs> it's, uh, or like Voodoo Lady have... is like a very catchy song. I mean, I think some of those songs too, if you hear the live versions, they really come to life. You know, Voodoo, La- Voodoo Lady being an example of that, I think, where, I mean, that's such a funky song, but then when you actually play that with a real band, it just totally opens it up. Uh, and they can really jam, jam on that for like 10 minutes too, and it doesn't get boring. You know, it's uh, it's funny because like the thing about Voodoo Lady, that song is on uh, like Paint the Town Brown, like the, the live record they put out. And I read the liner notes of that record, and Dean talks about how he was trying to sound like Los on the guitar solo, which is, which is a Santana live record. And I bought the Santana live record because of Dean Ween writing about it in the liner notes. Of that, that's perfect. I was like, like in the late '90s. I was like, "All right, I'm going to buy that record." And that's a great record. Um, but before we get to the mollusk, I, I also want to do a quick shout out. You know, going back to the early Ween era for the pod. You know, you mentioned that being like that is one of that. That is probably the most difficult record in their catalog. It's also one of my favorite records. I actually wrote about that record a little bit in my first book because, like. The pod was the soundtrack to the worst period of my life. Like, which, oh, yeah. which I was going to say, if you're going through a terrible period in your life, you should listen to the pod because it will make it will sound like your inner headspace. You know, <laughs> I can definitely do that because it's a very lo-fi, scummy-sounding record. You know, the, the the mythology of that record is that they were you know huffing Scotchgard while they were making the record. So it has this very, I don't think that's actually true or at least, or maybe it's been exaggerated, but. Um, that's my guess. Yeah, but it has that woozy sound to it. And there's a there's some incredible songs on there, but uh, they're, it's just run through this very sort of hazy, gross filter. Um, but as a piece of like audio verite, you know, I think it's a brilliant record. Uh, and, and, and if you're on its wavelength, it's it's totally unique and totally great. I do agree with that. It, it, it's one of those records that you do need to be in a certain headspace, and either you're there due to life circumstances, or maybe you get adjusted to the mood because, like, you strap out, uh, take out certain songs for, from it. Uh, Doctor Rock or Captain Fantasy or Awesome Sound. They sound or Pork Roll Egg and Cheese. You know, you have a bunch of hard rock and pop songs, but they, they sound different when they're played live because I'm pretty sure that those show up on Painting the Town Brown and uh, Live at Studs, and they just don't have that same sort of murky quality to them <laughs> that they do on the record. And that is another thing that I really like about Ween is that the records are their own distinct thing from the, the live shows, and you can get... The, the songs can be great in both, but they can sound different and feel different. And, and that was definitely, I think, like a, you know, if you look at the first two eras, there was, I think, an attempt to create a world on, like, for each record. Whereas the later records are sort of like mini worlds within, like, a universe. Like, like the White Pepper, for instance, mm-hmm. I think has, it kind of goes in a, 
in various places. I guess chocolate and cheese does too, but, um, you know, certainly... But the, the distinctive sound of chocolate and cheese makes it a little bit different than white pe- pepper, which white pepper does have a little bit more of a polish uh, overall. And I think it's partially because I think at that point they're working with uh, more of a full band as well. Right. And I think that Cla- Claude Coleman is deep into it at that point. Hey, guys, we'll get back to our conversation in a minute. I just want to tell you about something I'm really excited about, which is the release of my new book, Twilight of the Gods, A Journey to the End of Classic Rock. It comes out May 8th, and it's available for pre-order right now from wherever you like to buy books. Twilight of the Gods is about rock stars and how they all seem to be retiring or even dying right now. If you're like me, you grew up listening to Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, The Beatles, and The Stones, even though it's been years, even decades, since those groups were in their primes or even still together. How has this music endured for so long, and what is the attraction of classic rock culture, and what impact did it have on the world? And what will happen to the music now that so many stars are exiting the stage permanently? My book covers all these things as well as, well, a lot of other cool stuff about artists like Neil Young, Bob Seger, Bruce Springsteen, Paul McCartney, Black Sabbath, ACDC. There's a little bit about Ario Speedwagon in there. Uh, There's a Fish chapter in there. There's Pearl Jam. There's Wilco. Ah, man, there's like a million bands covered in this book. So if you like this podcast, you're going to like the book. Just go to wherever you buy books and punch in Twilight of the Gods, A Journey to the End of Classic Rock. It comes out May 8th. Pre-order it now. Okay, enough shilling. Let's get back to our conversation. So why don't you talk about The Mollusk, because you mentioned it was your, your favorite Ween record, and I think it's the favorite Ween record for a lot of people. I, I feel like the debate is usually between Chocolate and Cheese and The, and the Mollusk. So I, I, I was just talking about Chocolate and Cheese. Why don't you make a case for The Mollusk? See, for The Mollusk, for me, it's... It, is because of it, that it has a little bit more of the instrumental polish of um, of the latter day stuff, stuff, and I really do like that the netherworld feeling of chocolate and cheese, where it's not quite the early stuff, but it's not quite like the full band thing. And but with uh, the mollusk, I feel like everything is starting to come together, and it becomes like the classic Ween sound at that point, whereas like the is there on chocolate and cheese the sound becomes there on chocolate uh, on the mollusk and i also like that they keep sort of returning to certain nautical things throughout so it's the closer to a full concept album without really being a concept album yeah <laughs> I, and yeah for me like the mollusk what what i love about it is that it feels like ween's classic rock record while also still sounding like Ween, like again, like White Pepper yeah. is a record I love, but they sound like a rock band on that record, for good or for for better or for worse, you know. Whereas on the Mollusk, they still sound like a two-person band that is working in a rock band form, but like they're not a rock band, and you can tell that they're not. Yes, yes, and a, a different. Uh something about white peppers that I like to listen to individual songs on it more than listening to it all the way through. Whereas mollusk is sort of that sort of mood piece thing that goes back to the pod as well. Like it's just, it takes it on a certain journey and there's a bunch of psychedelic sort of sounds on there too. I like mutilated lips and uh, Buckingham green, which they had kicking around for a while. Right. Uh, that has that whole feel. And then uh, she wanted to leave which always sort of reminds me of a Richard Thompson song. Right. Uh, it's, um, that gets to this, the thing with Gene's uh, ballads. Like they, they kind of have a real emotional undercurrent to them, even though they can be dressed up in maybe something that distracts you from the fact that this is really a heartbreaking song at its core. Yeah, I mean, certainly like the Gene ballads in the third era, the third act, are like oh yeah totally unadorned at that you know you get a song like stay forever you know on mm-hmm. uh that's on white pepper or on uh like the quebec songs you know like where the more sort of romantically inclined songs yeah. or the heartbreak inclined songs you know it's not like a song like don't laugh i think i love you from god Bean satan which is just right. it's a sweet pop song but it's also a little demented sounding you know like and mm-hmm. gene's sort of like 
gradual sort of stripping away the artifice of that and getting more unadorned, which I get, which again, I think is like a for better or worse situation. Sometimes I, yeah. I, I some of the, some of the songs I like in that style and some of them, it's like, I don't know if it totally works in a wean context, you know, yeah, some you, of those. You gain something, but you lose something else. As they say. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it's interesting. Cause like, we haven't talked about La Cucaracha at all, which is probably the weakest album of in their catalog. I, maybe, I don't know. I mean, it's a record I like. Is there... Yeah. I mean, there's a song in there called yeah. Object that I love a lot. I think it's a, that song Object, I think is awesome on that record. And, like a great... And I really like... I really like with my own bare hands too, right? Uh, the, which is one, uh, uh, which is very similar to "It's Going to Be a Long Night" on on Quebec. And to me, the, those two records are pretty tied together. Where I, because see, if I remember the backstory right, like they had almost enough material for a double album for Quebec, and there's some demos floating around as boots, but uh, they had a hard time getting Quebec finished and it, it sort of feel you can't it can feel like that it's sort of falling apart or sort of feel whereas like la cucaracha feels like okay we're pulling it together for for a record that really holds together and so quebec can be more interesting than la cucaracha for that way but yeah. quebec is yeah. an intriguing record to me quebec in my mind the parallel is the pod uh at least in terms of like the vibe of yeah. it. like not not sonically but like uh, there's a sourness permeating Quebec, even on the happy yes. songs, that can make it, if you're not in the right frame of mind, uh, it can be a difficult listen, as you said. Like, I think chocolate and cheese, if you are if you can get past spinal meningitis, you know, once you have the callus <laughs> built up for that song and some of the other songs, maybe, that's just, you can put that on any time or the mollusk you can put on any time. But like Quebec and the pod, are like mood. You got to be in the right mood, and if you're not, it can drag you down. Maybe. I really like that analogy, and it's something that I hadn't quite put together because I have also felt that Quebec is its own mood thing. It's and it does feel like it's a bit of a breakup divorce album. Feel like you can feel like something's going wrong somewhere. Right, and, uh, it, and, and sort of the the numb drugginess of it, like Zoloft, yes. some of those songs. Um, although transdermal med, you know, uh, trans, transdermal meditation, celebration, celebration, celebration. One of my favorite Dean Ween guitar solos in that yeah. uh, song, uh, and that's a totally great, you know, anthemic. One of their most anthemic songs. I love that too. And there's lots of songs on that record I love. But yeah, it's and that and that's the thing. Like compared to La Cucaracha, it's like I, I actually remember. Uh, Fiesta, the Fiesta, the instrumental that begins it, uh, and then the David Sanborn solo on your party, the closing song, that and, and with my own bare hands, those are the songs that I really remember. I re- and the actual songs, rest of the album, I like, but I, it's not the stuff that sticks in my head when I think about Wing. Yeah, yeah, I just wonder, you know, there's these Dean Ween group albums that have been out. Well, the Rock 2 comes out, you know, March 16th, which will be a few days after this podcast posts, um, and the Deaner album. I mean, it, I feel like those are the new Ween albums. I mean, more than sort of the Aaron Freeman solo records, because I, I personally am not sure if there'll be another Ween album. You know, who knows? Hopefully that'll happen. But Any, Anything's possible, but I wouldn't really bet. But those Dean Wing group albums, I mean, I I enjoy them both, and they seem to be like the kind of the closest in this in spirit anyway. It, it, it's, to me, it's interesting to see how much you read into Ween listening to his records because you it's not quite what you expect his contributions to be. I mean, I, I guess I just feel like his records sound a lot like the Ween records more than Aaron yeah. Simmons do. Well, that's actually I. I've found that uh, Dean Ween and then the Aaron Freeman records really show you what each of them brought to the band, band, which was sort of instructive to me for a longtime fan because they always seem to be like 
exactly on the same page. And the solo records show that they have different aesthetics because Freeman's is way more composed and softer and you can feel the melodic uh, sort of McCartney side. Whereas uh, Dean is like, has the eclecticism and then the, including like, including like, um, like finger bangings uh, on the new one is basically a surf rock song. And so, you know, it has that sort of sense of pop history, but he's essentially playing the Dean wing group is essentially wing without Gene wing. Yeah. So it has that same feel and which is why it's, it feels like new wing records. And what's interesting to me with uh, rock two versus uh, the first one is that the first one came out on ATO and it actually does have a bit of polish. Whereas this one just sort of feels like this is what I do. And I just sort of letting it all <laughs> hang out. There's a lot of instrumentals, a lot of guitar playing and it's uh, it's kind of fun for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. And in my interview with him, he essentially says, like I'm making Ween records, so you know, even, <laughs> you know, even though it's just, I mean, I think he, I don't know. It was an interesting conversation. I mean, I think he's like, uh, I think he's glad to be back with Gene and feels that it's a, a it's a fragile union, you know, and he doesn't want to say anything that would disrupt it. So you know, I I think if he had his druthers, they'd be making he'd be making Ween records, not Dean Ween Group records. Um, but who knows what the inner dynamics of that are. Uh, right now, but yeah, I think he's just, I think he's glad to be that the band is touring at least. Yeah. And I, I've got it. I have no inside information. It's just my, those, that's my own suspicion is that he would make a ween album in a second. And I think that, uh, Gene is just slowly because, you know, he, he had, had a pretty well publicized breakdown and then it entered recovery and slowly made his way back. And I would imagine that touring with the wing could be very difficult for somebody who's trying to maintain its sobriety. Yeah. And so perhaps that has some sort of element to it. But I have to say, like, as I mentioned earlier, I saw them uh, in November and they were fantastic. They did, I saw, saw them uh, two nights in a row, completely different set lists. One night they did every part of the stallion. <laughs> and so, and you, and if you don't get, new records there's still something to be said to for having a band that still can bring it on stage touring and so maybe they're not brothers in the same sense that they once were but there's still that bond and it's still very apparent and you can go see ween and then you can go see dean ween group you can double your pleasure in that regard exactly. so you know and, more ween to go around do- and i would imagine that seeing dean ween group in a small uh, club would be a lot of fun yeah I haven't seen them yet. I'm, but they're they're, they're touring all the time. So I'm hoping I can do that this year. Yeah. So Tom, it's a pleasure talking with you, man. Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. Take care. Okay, so that was me and Stephen Thomas Erlewine talking about Ween. So you have all the Ween information you need now. <laughs> we didn't do eight episodes on Ween. We did thirty minutes. You know, maybe we'll do a Ween series sometime. Who knows? You know, I, I need to figure out what we're gonna do for our next big series. Maybe it'll be Ween. Maybe it'll be something else. I don't know. But anyway, thank you for listening to this episode <laughs> with Dean and Tom and all this Ween talk. Um, gotta give a shout out to Derek Madden as always for putting everything together, being the man behind the boards. Uh, I gotta give a shout out to Josh Copperman for writing our theme song. Thank you, Josh. And, of course, the biggest thank you of all to our loyal listeners. Thank you so much for checking us out every week, for spreading the word about us, for leaving us reviews on iTunes. Those iTunes reviews are always so helpful for just talking about us and spreading the word. That's really helped grow the podcast and helped us build a big audience for people to talk ween at and all other fun things. Uh... Thank you so much for listening this week, guys. We're going to have another great episode coming at you next week. So until then, take it easy. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.